Speaking of peasants, uh, this is episode 163, um, and Vicarage Road looks fit for peasants, doesn't it? Um, long overdue. <laughs> long overdue for a, um, a, a new stadium, or at least a revamp, it feels like. Vicarage Road looks like it's half falling down on the TV. I'm not um, sure they're going to be able to afford that in the championship, are they? Yeah. Uh, doesn't look good, does it? <laughs> After today's display. Um Let's start right at the very beginning because I, I saw the team lineups at nine o'clock this morning and thought, oh no. Um Basuma on the bench, Trossard on the bench, uh, and and of course Mo McAllister either just coming back from COVID. Uh Alzate is still on the bench, uh, which was bizarre to me. Uh with the two central midfielders we decided to roll out with, and then Caicedo as well. Um, were you as concerned as I was with that with that middle of the park? Yeah. Um I mean I sent WTF to you when you sent the lineup over. Uh, I was very good. <laughs> our, our, our two two of our best players on the bench for no reason other than I guess Trussard's kind of coming back a little bit, isn't he? And Basuma, maybe you want to give him a rest considering he sort of came straight back from Afcon right back into playing. Um, but yeah, that when you when you look at a midfield grouping of Gross, Lalana, and Moda. Um, you know, it's a bit of a worry there. There's not, especially against the potential pace of, and I hadn't seen the Watford lineup there, but if you think they could have played Saad, Dennis and Jao Pedro sort of against that lot, didn't feel great at the time. Yeah, and Cucho, who now, Cucho yeah, he's good as, well. as well, is rapid. Uh, yeah. He can play in the middle as well. Yeah, um, yeah it was a bit worrying. Um to, oh, to address the thing that Craig is is not been booted out from the podcast. Uh, he's still here, alive and well. Uh, his parents are visiting, so. But look, I, we won again when he's not here. So coincidence. Uh, we we draw not. when Craig's around and win when he's not here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so he'll be back. Uh, whether it's for, well, he probably won't be back for United. Um, because that's midweek and his parents are here. All it's week, another so. win at Old Trafford. Congrats, everyone. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so he will be back next week for the Burnley debacle. Um, that that has one nil loss all over it, uh, and he will get the blame fully. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I. Graham Potter has gone on record saying it was one of the best performances that he's seen from us in quite some time. Um, I am going to say, possibly an unpopular opinion, that that was one of the most boring first halves of football Agreed. I've ever witnessed uh, in a long time under Potter. I thought it was so, so dull. There was just nothing happening really at, at at any point in that first half, uh, right up until, of course, the goal, which was pretty important. Uh, but prior to that, it just... Uh, we had 73% possession before that ball went in the back of the net. Um, Moda had a snapshot that was well saved, uh, and there was a couple... I think there was one or two just dodgy pieces of play for us that allowed Dennis to, to hit us on the break, but they were so inept going forward that it never looked like they were really going to do anything to dangerous. Um, but if Potter's game plan was to dominate the ball, wear out Watford and be just, an, just so, so dull in that first half, I would say that he's probably right in that, in that it was a great performance. Yeah, we came out a little sheepish. And I think we're, when, when you combine the uh, 
the fact that we got embarrassed by Spurs for the most part um, just didn't show up, did we? You see the lineup, and then it's not that we looked uncomfortable in the first half, but yeah, we didn't look like any sort of sparkling creativity. I normally take a fair amount of notes of chances and things that are going on. Uh, and I had three notes in the first half. <laughs> uh, and my biggest surprise was all in caps, mode a shot on target. That was the most exciting thing because it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, it was a nice little layoff from Mope. Sanchez with, a, a, you know, his, his, his standard howler. He flapped at something and, and it nearly cost us. But yeah, absolutely nothing in, 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 until the goal. Good goal as well, wasn't it? Uh, I text my um, I text my Watford supporting friend over here, and I said, <laughs> I literally said to him, I was like, we have been very quiet all day, um, but in this first half, we we really need to get Lamptey more involved. <laughs> like when our midfield is so weak in the middle, I think that we're allowing you to just put two guys on him, and it was it was cleverly in Kamara, right? They just sat mm-hmm. on Lamptey. Uh, the first time they did give him space, all half. Um, he pops that ball in for Mope to score. I don't know 100% if Mope meant that to go where it did. I thought we uh, shinned it when I first saw it. Same. Yeah. It was but... a good goal, though, in the end. Uh, it, pff, Foster had nothing uh, he could do with that one. Uh, I thought it played quite well today, but there was nothing anybody could do with a ball like that. Um, and the bounce right before I think it landed for Neil was, was the extra cherry on the cake because no one knew what the hell to do with it when it was bouncing in the box like that no and he's and this is what you get with Mope isn't it a lot of strikers don't attempt that because it's a bit of an audacious and nine out of ten times I feel like that just goes over the bar um but that's Mope right you put him one-on-one with a keeper 18 yards out and he's gonna miss uh, or kick it right in his hands you give him a half a sort of a half chance like this with a weird bouncing ball albeit a nice cross in from from Lamptey and he, and he takes it and it, it goes right in a sort of top left-hand corner. Um, per, it's it, the, the cliche, perfect time to score. But that, that first half was very, very much summarised. And we talked about this on the last show, which was, are we worried about Hod- the Hodgson appointment? And I think you saw the Hodgson appointment uh, in true form in the first half. And then you saw them going back to their old ways when they got a bit desperate in the second half. And, and, and that is, Hodgson is going to put them in a sort of a, a standard four four two, and they're going to be organised, which they were, which is what we. It's it's why it was a bit of a drab affair to begin with, right up until that potential extravagant finish by by Mope or a fortunate shank. Yeah, um, it it just carries on to goes to show, right? Like, I, I, you don't allow Mope time to think. Uh, if you leave him, <laughs> yeah. if you leave him with no choice but to just hit it. That's the sort of stuff he can pull. Feel, don't think. He needs to be Jedi-esque. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but you're, you're spot on. I, I, I said, I tweeted about it too. I felt like we've kind of out-hodgened Hodgson bar in the fact that we dominated possession. We didn't do much of anything in front of goal all the way up until right before the end of the first half. And in true Hodgson fashion, we just like got something out of absolutely nothing um, mm-hmm. and, and went in at the break one up and and Watford probably felt and Roy especially probably felt incredibly frustrated given how hard they'd worked in that first half to just totally nullify anything we were doing going forward there were there were times where I forgot that Danny Welbeck was on the pitch uh he was he was poor totally 
totally nullified by whatever they were doing at the back. He just had nothing. Yeah, he, he didn't do a lot, did he? And, and he was obviously dragged off, um, what, uh, 15, 20 minutes into the second half, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and, and then the start of the second half was also, I, I was a little bit, I started to get worried there. Um, they came out with um, some vigour, some vim and vigour, and, and we couldn't get out uh, of our own half. And we were so deep. And I think that the commentary did a good job of basically saying, the shoe's on the other foot, really, this half. Uh, that we suddenly became the team that was sat deep and organised and trying our best uh, with a lot of possession from Watford and a lot of, I guess, a little bit more proactivity because then you saw when you have a player like Emmanuel Dennis um, who jinked himself around about two to three different players and smashed it against the crossbar, could very easily have gone in. Um, that was when you go, something's got to change here and... Graham Potter was a couple of minutes ahead of that and had already prepared for bringing on the big guns. Yeah, it, you can't argue. If, as a Watford fan, you can't be upset by the changes that Hodgson made yesterday. I thought no. it was perfect. Like you say, it yeah. was everything that, that they needed to do. And if Dennis had finished that chance and you had maybe one other, like because there was plenty of like those same sort of thing you see with Brighton where you say it's that final ball just wasn't there. They could have They could have put us under... In real trouble, we could have been two or three one down if they were able to take their chances uh, in that first fifteen minutes. They gave us the opportunity to to sit back. We did exactly like you said; like we fully did did sit back. Uh, there was times where it was like fifth, the fifty seventh minute, and and Mope was in our final third, like defending. Um, there was no one up front. Um, we were full on defensive mode, uh, and I think it was. About ninety seconds after after Dennis hit the bar, the changes were made. McAllister and Basuma on. Yep. Welbeck and Grossoff. Um it's rare that I feel like it's rare, especially on social media, that you see two substitutions that are universally praised as being absolutely <laughs> correct. Um there's always like, Oh, I would have preferred to have seen blah blah than McAllister yeah. or whatever, but nope. Uh I think it was a hundred percent um approval rating for for graham at the timing of it um and the people that were taken off and the people that were brought on uh and and it really was just about perfect um because after that uh you know you went you went on and you saw us totally revert to a back four uh as you would you probably delighted to see um Mm -hmm. and then you and then you had bisuma you know driving forward um and showing that real just that that thing that that Biss does that that others can't, um, and and Watford simply don't have uh, the closest thing you've got is Sissoko, and and that's I mean I feel rude even comparing the two. Yeah, I, I would I will absolutely die, be reincarnated, and be murdered all over again on the hill of, of four at the back for this team, um, because you you see what it does. And uh, and I think that's just out of preference for you, you control the game less from a possession standpoint. But what you lose from possession, you gain in directness. And we have players that can be really forcibly direct and have the ability to play quick interplay passing, get forward, make the right runs and have shots. Like Sure, they might not be on target, but they, they can do them. They're footballers. They're professional <laughs> footballers. Um, and, and you saw that, right? It, it was a different side. It felt like a different team was playing from the 63rd minute onwards, um, from what we'd seen prior to that point. As you say, Basuma, 
when Basuma was away for AFCON and when he was dropped, per, sort of, for, for, for his potential alleged uh, indiscretions, um, you, you saw that we're able to, to win football games. We were able to draw and win football games. But, and today, we might have won this football game if Basuma didn't come on. But it's not the same team. Uh, he he is he he truly is for that next level that next level energy and that sort of what I would call it is that he he makes these marauding runs. Um, he just picks the ball up, ducks around someone, and then just canters thirty yards. And we don't really have another player for the most part that does that. And we talked about before that Lamptey has the ability to do that too when he when he cuts inside and runs through the middle. Basuma does that five times a game. Um, and we don't replace that when he's gone. Um, he was incredible. McAllister, he, he's, his set-piece quality is is fantastic, yeah. and we'll, we'll talk about that when we talk about the goal. Um, but he also, he, he's just, he, he did a lot as well, just in terms of his creativity and his ability on the ball that, again, we're seeing he's just, he's the better pick over Gross now in terms of what they both add to this team. Um, you you start McAllister if, if all things are considered even. Um, it was a it was a big big change from Grand Potter. The only thing that you potentially would have if you want to pick out a negative, you would have looked at what Hodgson did at halftime. You saw that they bring Sar on and they're going to go for it. Maybe you make that change a little earlier. But that I'm I'm clutching at straws here because otherwise you could call it a masterstroke. Yeah, I think I I do feel like we got a little bit lucky uh, having Dennis hit the bar there because we were we were almost 90 seconds too late weren't we it was almost that class and then the conversation's uh, different yeah oh potter doesn't take his changes quick enough how, how, surely you could have seen this this is always coming um so yeah yeah it's it was lucky wasn't it um but you know at the end of the day that's all you can do is is make the changes obviously they were preparing those changes before uh the the chance that hit the crossbar that it was so fast in between there was no way that wasn't already planned um, yes exactly and as you say from then on uh i thought everything just went straight back to the albion um we were much more combative in the middle of the field which was something that i was worried about from the beginning um and and we started to get back into it and, and creating the better chances um and, and you know all the way up until the goal itself uh so Another goal from a set piece and and ones that we've struggled to do lately, especially those scrappy ones, because uh, we'd already had one earlier uh, that had kind of scrambled around the box and not been put in. Yes, we had from a this free one, kick, I think it was. Yes, I think it, uh, it was still, a, I think it was a McAllister free kick as well, wasn't it? I believe it? so, yeah. Yep. Uh, second time lucky though. Um, and, and Adam Webster was the man at the moment. Again, only a second goal of the season, which goes to show just how poor we've been at set pieces. Uh, with creating those chances but at that point I don't think I've seen a team's heads go so visibly down (laughs) after that Um, there was no there was no illusion that they were going to make some kind of spirited fight back or anything the game was well and truly over at that point Um, but let's talk about McAllister's set pieces because they were superb we could have had three odd I feel like from his set pieces today um he, I was worried. The only thing I was majorly worried about with Gross, as he is visibly slowing down compared to the pace of this side, was losing his set piece ability. And it's becoming quite clear that we don't need to worry anymore. Uh, yes, that's as we say. Like now, now 
it's it's almost like the 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 baton's been handed in some senses from 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 gross to to McAllister and McAllister came out himself this week didn't he I believe and, and said I wasn't up to speed with things this last year um and I, it's finally come together for me this season um and you can see it and and if if it wasn't so harsh to say on the other side you could say gross should could potentially come out and say it's dropped off this year for me um of course it's not going to say that but we can all see it with the eye test but the other thing that the corner piece is the other thing to consider because um and andy nader give him his credit um after we gave him some some shit last time for for breaking news that wasn't breaking news on transfer deadline day um he, he put an article out uh yesterday uh, about how Brighton are starting to reap rewards for attention to detail on corners. And um, and then lo and behold, we come and score a goal from a corner. And I think what's quite interesting about it is, is we, we talked about this before. We've been abject at corners all throughout the year. We were baffled by them. We were like, why are we not? What happened? Why are we not scoring from corners anymore? And and we're bottom three in the premiership for taking in-swinging corners. We do out-swing corners to try and get them these powerful headers like that bullet header we saw Webster score the other week. Um, and this, this we were fortunate in this case, but there's been a big change that's happened with McAllister's set-piece delivery and our fortunes coming from corners. And, and hopefully that continues because, as we've said multiple times before, if Mope isn't banging 20 goals in a season, okay, that's fine. If the midfielders aren't supplementing with goals, that's fine. But you better score from set pieces. Yeah. Yep. So. And and that's one of those things that, that teams like Watford also need to be doing, right? Like that's going to be the difference between staying up and going down. And despite how much I don't like Newcastle, the Trippier signing in does is obviously something that, that is massive for them uh, because they have plenty yeah. of big, big heads in the box that they can reach. If they have someone who can put that ball in and prize the Trippier that had nobody, um, and that and that's changed everything, right? For them, I think I think Trippier scored from a free kick today, uh, yesterday rather, um, or whenever it was that got them their their result. Uh, yeah, he's been he was impressive as well. I mean, I, I know we're going off on a tangent now, but Sam Maximum was another level in that game, and 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 as. As we discussed before, my opinions never wavered by the fact that Newcastle were going to buy their way out of the bottom three and, and and add some quality pieces in, and it's looking that way. But on on the product of today, um, I think all the way through the season, I've said that Watford game we played was it our second game? Um, uh, yes, yeah, it, it was only our second game of the season. I think it was Burnley then Watford, most comfortable game of the season, yep. and I would say this is probably second. <laughs> Um, both both easy 2-0 victory. I say easy, of course, the players fought hard and all that, but Watford are abject, and I don't know if Hodgson's going to necessarily like... it's When you see a guy like Lampard come in for Everton and there's a project and they, they put together signing on videos where it looks like he's in a soap opera or some like, weird sort of marketing thing, um, Hodgson... The people can rally around Lampard, right? They can get excited. He's still, for a lot of the younger players, they'll look at Lampard and go, you were my one of my heroes when I was growing mm-hmm. up watching the Premier League. Hodgson's, like, Ismail is not going to look at Raw Hodgson and go, oh, I'm going to fight for you. You know? Yes. So that's what I, so I do, I worry for that. I worry for Watford. I, I do think on today's proof, ugh. I think he's clearly improved their fundamentals already, though. That would be my only counterpoint. 
But is that uh, that's not the only thing that matters when you're it's in clearly the not like enough. This. It's clearly yeah. not because look at West Ham midweek. It was just one fluky deflection and it cost them all three points. Uh, yeah. They cost them a draw, cost them everything. Um, they sat off Lamptey for one like one chance. They're behind again. Um, you need something a little bit special to be able to drag you over the line. And Hodgson doesn't have any of that. Um, he's probably going to need, you know, I would probably say he's going to need Saar to really step it up and become the the Zaha of, of his Watford, given that that was so important for him at Palace. Yeah. Um, but again, my... my... <laughs> In some ways, I'm already thinking further ahead, which is what 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 players can we we pick out as vultures when Watford go down? Um, yeah, that, that's where my <laughs> mind goes. Uh, but we'll yeah we'll see. In about true that. football manager fashion, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I'm eyeing them up already. I see them. They're like the you know the gazelle at the back of the pack that's got a, a gammy leg. I'm like, all right, let's see what, we, <laughs> what, what can we get out of you guys? We'll we'll, we'll take Jao Pedro or something. Yeah, yeah, I like Pedro. Um, he's he was terrible today. He was, he was shocking. But every time I've seen him come on prior to this, he was he looked like a game changer. Um, yeah. But luckily for us, he was just utter shite with us, so it was perfect. He was, um, he was terrible. Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed the last minute substitution uh, of Shane Duffy on for Adam Lallana at a uh, at a corner, um, just to <laughs> just to absolutely ensure a clean sheet that was coming in. Uh, I'll was... tell you why I didn't love that because for some reason I've been lazy with my fantasy football and left Duffy in my team because it's a double game week. So that has absolutely screwed me for that 30 second cameo that Duffy had to protect a corner. But yeah. Brutal. That ain't good, yeah. is it? Uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had Trossard in my fantasy team as well. Um, so that went wonderfully. Uh, yeah. Didn't even play. Um, and I thought he would be back for both, honestly, um, given that Watford are there for the taking. Uh, in terms of the players themselves, um, anybody stand out to you as as those kind of top players who who impressed you today? I was thinking about that as it was going, and it was another one on the evidence of the first half. <laughs> not not really. Um, I will say that, of course, we we've talked about Basuma, how impressive he was. Um, obviously, Webster got the goal at the end. I thought. Switching to the four, I thought Kukureya turned into a different player. Um, he wasn't that impressive first half, and then he came on really strong in the second half. He's in the box. He's taking shots. It was yeah. one through traffic that nearly went in. Yep. Um, he I hit that really well for once as well, did. didn't he? He did. Like, so I thought he was. I thought he start, He looked impressive in the second half. Um, I'd say generally, though, throughout the game, Moda was 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 good value for me, um, but. It, I don't think anyone stood out too above and beyond, uh, in my opinion. I'll give it to Potter for the subs. Yeah, it's not a bad, it's not a bad say. Uh, I think Webster, it just in terms of how much he improved in one week again, uh, yeah. st- stood out to me. Um, obviously, he got the goal, uh, and, and generally, I don't think he put much of a foot wrong today, which was a big improvement um, over the disaster class. Uh, that that yeah. happened last week. Uh, it was just awful. Um, so I was really happy to see him back on form. Um, and, and Dunkey as well, I thought, looked absolutely comfortable. Uh, looked looked as happy as you would like. I thought he was really good. 
got that early yellow card, which is a little worry. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, he 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 did, and and I, hopefully that sets people's minds at ease, and we stop hearing this crap about Dan Byrne. Like, God, you, you think he was a servant of the club for fifteen years, and we sold him off to some, you know, come on. Um, yes, the de- the defense looked better again. Uh, the the other thing is just I guess just to wrap things up on on the game today is I'm glad this happened. We we talked last time around is the next few games are going to define the season, and we also need to have a quick like forget what happened with the Spurs game or block it out. And and the team did that. Like in my mind, the Spurs game was a bad dream. Didn't happen, and I think that's how we need to look at it. And the other thing is. This this just cemented a, a seven game unbeaten run in the Premier League, which is the club record. Um, yeah, which is re- as if you get rid of the Spurs game from our form, things that are pretty good, and we we now face a Manchester United side who who look abject on Tuesday. Now, yeah. of course, they could quite easily step out and would beat us four nil. But yeah, that Man U game, Burnley, and then Villa and then Newcastle. It's it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's a lot of room to, to get some good results. Uh, we do have a couple of people in the waiting room. I sent out the stream yard for anybody who'd like to hop on. I'm actually going to add you both uh, one after the other so you can chat amongst yourself. Okay, it's exciting. Uh, so che- it's like we're cheating on Craig. It is, it is. Uh, Gilbert Ross, can you hear us? You are on mute uh, if you if you want to take yourself off. You can say this just adds more time to Josh's edit on the pod. This is perfect. Yeah, this is just extra time for me to be editing uh, Gilbert. So, all right, we'll just get, he's gone. Uh, we will he's get out. Wedgie on the stream. Uh, Wedgie, how are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you, Josh. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Uh, happy after today's result? Yeah, very happy in the end. There were a few nervous phases in the game. I, I was in the ground with about a group of about a dozen of us, the noisy boys, as we called ourselves. <laughs> it was a great atmosphere in there. I know a few Watford fans as well who were sat at the far end of the stadium and unsolicited, they said to us in the pub post-match that we were the noisiest visiting fans they have That's had for a couple of seasons. So, yeah, it was a great atmosphere. Yeah, really good. We could hear you all, actually. Um it's it's on and off sometimes whether you can hear them on the telly, but we could hear the Albion really clear today. Yeah, yeah, it was really good today. And uh, the really good thing for me as a long-term fan of more than 40 years is that the Brighton fans, particularly the travelling fans, have worked out some songs for some of our, our newer players like Lamptey and McAllister and Modda and everything. And it's fantastic, you know? Great atmosphere today. Really, really good. Really good. Well, we could hear the Mope charts going as, as when, yep. he, when he finished that at the end of the first half. So that was, yeah, we heard you loud and clear there. Uh, here's a question for you. Thanks for joining us. You said you've been a fan of 40 plus years. How does this season feel? Because this we're, we're getting nosebleeds at the moment, how far yep. we are up the table. Yeah, I'm with you. I get a nosebleed seeing us up there. Um with 20 minutes to go, I don't know if it came across for on TV coverage, but the Brighton fans were all singing, we're all going on a European tour. <laughs> so, you know, we're all hoping COVID's out the way so that come September yeah. we could be playing in the European League, you know. 
Um, I, I, I feel quite I bad because you know. I was gonna. I was just gonna say. I feel bad because someone asked about European football a few weeks ago, and I laughed it off and said, "Yeah, we'll play European football when we do our preseason training in like Gibraltar or something." Mm. Um, but I, I, we're getting close to egg on my face here, and I, but in the best possible way. Well, I, I just I've only literally just got home in the last sort of thirty minutes, and I've looked at the table, and probably for the first time in my life. Um, we're looking for now to the end of the season for the results of Arsenal, Spurs and Wolverhampton Wanderers. <laughs> and if yeah. two of those three falter, then we are potentially going to be in European competition, which is, as you say, it's beyond nosebleed. It's like emergency department type territory. You know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah. it, it is absolutely, it's incredible. Um, we just seem to keep driving out the performances and the points today at times we put a few passes misplaced there were some opportunities that we didn't really take the right decision at the right time but by the time McAllister and Bissouma came on and just injected a bit of pace and a bit of bite different game wasn't it different game it was a different game and we absolutely destroyed them I mean it was almost frustrating being where we were uh, attacking towards us uh, in the second half, that we should have got more goals. You know, we we probably should have finished with three or four. We were almost trying to walk the ball into the net. Um, but it, you know, it was it was fantastic. Strong performance, lots of good individual performances in there. I've, I didn't see it myself, but <coughs> excuse me, I've just been looking at some uh, online chat room comment. Um, and I noticed it during the game that Graham Potter was sat down for most of the game. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are suggesting that maybe he's still struggling post-COVID. But normally in a game like that, that was still in the balance 70 minutes into the game, you'd, you'd expect him to be right on the edge of his technical area and fully into the game. But I noticed well, a lot he... of the time it was Bjorn who was stood up there barking and Potter was sat on his chair so i hope he's okay yeah he was pretty reserved in the in the um i mean compared to antonio conte anyone's reserved um but he was pretty reserved in that game as well you, you might be onto something i'm sure as long as he's he was all dressed up in his smarts today to with with hodgson yeah. um so uh look, as long as he keeps setting the team up and and making those kind of subs that we saw today like he can sit yeah. down as much as he wants um, yeah. How are you? How are you feeling about the Man U game on Tuesday? Well, I think Man U are. are if, if if you believe what you read in the football press, they still seem to be in a mess. And I got the impression with Rangnick coming in that he would sort out some of the big bristling egos in that squad. But I you don't think. think he's been able to do that. No, and they still seem to be in a mess where the. The thing that's most likely to defeat them is themselves, not the opposition. And they really seem to be struggling to get it together. You know, we watched half of the game, the Man U game today, in the boozer post-match, pre-match, I should say. Southampton, And they didn't really seem to really get the bit between the teeth at all. So, I mean, you know, we've all left the game today thinking if we can crack on and put another 22 points from our remaining 15 games on the board, then, you know, we have got a 
chance of of doing something which I didn't think I would ever see in my lifetime. So, yeah, three points against United. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah, especially with Burnley coming up shortly after as well, back at home. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's yeah. exactly the thing. You you said something earlier, and and it's something we've talked about towards the beginning of the season more so. But the the fact that we we just seem to keep grinding out results, and and that was something that you're starting to see come back again in January and now in February as well. There's something different about this team this year than last because these are the same games that we would have been taking a point from or having them steal a goal uh, at the end, but. But Potter and the team have really there's something extra there, isn't there? There's that extra steel somewhere behind them that they really have that belief. And it's just emphasized, I think, by those really late goals as well. Yep. And I and I think the difference now for the remainder of our season is we don't have to look back over our shoulders at all. Uh, we don't have to grind out one pointers anymore. We've got 15 games left, and every one of those is now a free hit. So we can literally approach every single game and try to win it from the off um, and give ourselves an increased chance of doing something that, you know, the football world really would sit up and take notice. You know, it's not on kind of Leicester City's sort of stratospheric sort of level, but for us uh, and where we are at the moment, if we take those three hits and we pull a few off against some of the the bigger sides and bank some points against the lower sides, then there's no telling how far we can get. Yeah. Well, the, the fact is we're, we're, we're February the 12th and we, uh, we haven't said relegation once. Uh, and that's alien in and of itself. And, and it almost feels laughable to even mention it at this point. Um, but I, I, I will take uh, one thing you did I've say. I've just checked I, it online. On, um... Sorry, no, sorry go, go on. on. No, 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 you checked it online. Go on. I was going to say, I've just checked online with uh, uh, a bookies website in the UK, Gods Checker, and uh, Skybet, which is one of the big uh, bookies here, have us at 1,000 to 1 for relegation now. So <laughs> we only need to score one more point, and they won't even offer a price on us, you know? Well, I'd take you know, that. At even the start even of the Leicester City are, are 100 to 1. Huh? That, that's that's ridiculous. I mean, the, the only the, I'm not worried about relegation, but the only thing I am worried about is is when you said not looking behind. The only thing I'm looking behind that is the sides behind us scare me a little bit, and that's because Southampton are in good form. Villa, are, uh, they're dangerous. Yeah. Um, let's not talk about Palace, but then you got Leicester who are in some weird funk. But the, you look at their squad and you think to yourself, surely they're going to be better than a than a top 15 side so we'll see but either way god if, if we could finish top top half yep that's something else yep i think we'll do that i went to the leicester away game a couple of weeks ago two or three weeks ago and came away almost a little disappointed that we didn't we steam all of the last um, Wedgie, you are so putting up really badly. Guys, spoke okay. today about a talk about Jonathan Moss, the referee. Yeah, I think have you spoken about the referee's performance? Because from where we stood in the terraces, you know, six of their players.
carved Tarek Lamptey down around his knees and his thighs. They, they assigned six different legs. I don't know if it came across on the TV, but it was absolutely despicable. And Jonathan was just letting them get away with it. It just seemed extraordinary. Yeah, we talk about refs a lot, unfortunately. But um, and, and I know you were breaking up a little bit there. So just for people that perhaps didn't hear, you know, the referee's performance, Tarek Lamperty being ha hacked down by a lot of the Waffle players. I, I, I don't think it's exclusive uh, exclusive to just this game, right? And it, it's been it's been like that whenever Lamperty plays. I think he loses out based on his small frame that there's yeah. the expectation that you can basically like push him around and it's like, Oh, he doesn't have enough strength. He deserves it kind of thing. What's that? Well, no, he's actually really agile. And, and if you've knocked him off his feet, it's probably his balance is good enough where that shouldn't really happen. So I think he, he gets a bit of a, a the bad end of it really. Yeah. I think that Kamar and Wedgie has just dropped off. Uh, I think his internet was playing up for him, but the, uh, I, th I think it really wound up Kamara too today. I think Kamara worked really hard on trying to contain Tarek and you saw him just lose his lose got the, the yellow card with yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was not a great challenge, was it? I think that was the very like dictionary definition of uh, cynical foul. Um, Kamara was was absolutely over it, wasn't he? Uh, I I sort of I sympathised with him a little bit in the sense that if I was put in that same position and had to deal with someone like Lamptey, I think I would have done the same thing. I'd probably have done it earlier in the game. <laughs> just could get, all right, I'm, I'm just going to kick you now. I'll take the yellow card. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a bad one, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And I, I thought, I thought he actually did a pretty good job um, of, of, you know, him and cleverly managing Lamptey together, but it's got to be exhausted doing it for 78 minutes. And I'm not, I'm not surprised he kicked off either. Yeah. Um, we, the only negative I think we'd say today, uh, we, we didn't manage to add it to our draw tally. Did we? Um, we no, really <laughs> disappointing. We, uh, we're still on 12. Um, not great. Looking like we may have to really push hard to get that record at this point. Uh, I'll be happy if we decide that we'll go ahead and we'll get a point against Liverpool, uh, Man City, Spurs, and maybe one of the Man United games, and then maybe that will crack it. How many do we need? I think we need 17. All right, yeah. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll, we can get a few draws in there. That's all right. Yeah, let's see if Wedge can come back on. Uh, he's super laggy. Wedge, can you hear us okay? Doesn't look like it. No. Is well, it isn't it? It's given. But it, thank you for joining. If you're hearing this after the fact, thank you. Uh, and it's it's always good to hear from people that are at the game and being vocal and loud and singing. And uh, especially when we're at this distance, it's nice to get that feel a little bit closer. Yeah, it is. Uh, the El Do brothers in the chat uh, says Manchester United will be an interesting game. Um, and and I think. You're honestly spot on. I think this Tuesday is going to be a really interesting one with the rests that we gave specific players, uh, and and the fact that you know we've, we should have a Trossard rarent to go with no no minutes today. Didn't need any. Uh, we were that comfortable, um, and and a Manchester United side that are in total disarray. Uh, they they don't seem to know what they're doing, uh, and on any given day, really, they were. I didn't watch any of the game this morning, but I saw you know the highlights at halftime with us, um, and they looked bang average didn't they there was 
and they played a lot of their main players. They had Ronaldo, they had Bruno, they had Sancho, Pogba, uh, Rashford, they all these, uh, Varane, Maguire, they had their main squad out there. There was not really anybody uh, that you wouldn't consider missing from that that main 11. Um, and, and they were, you know, bang average. You know, they, it was pretty even on all the stats I'm looking at here. They, it looked like it was a game between two competitive sides as opposed to what it should be a, a dominant performance at Old Trafford. Yeah, I, I did. Man, you were just not a good team right now. And and, and it's, again, we, we say this with just the, the, the most amount of, of potential cushion that you can possibly have, which is Man United absolutely have the ability to go out and beat us 4 0. They do. That's, that's the players that they have. Um, we might not like to admit that and we'd be absolutely infuriated if it happened, but it could. Um, at the same time, they are their players. Look, I think De Gea came out this week and basically said, "We think that it feels like we're under a curse. We, we can't put our finger on what it is. It's like someone cursed us." Yeah, it's not really a great thing for someone to come out and say on your team. Um, and everything that they've been dealing with, Rangnick's being abused by the media at the moment because he's clearly like a very direct um, answers truthfully, maybe says a little bit too much. Um, yeah. And that that is being he's being decimated for that as well. They've he, you know he's quoted earlier today saying, "Well, of course we're going to go out and sign a striker next year. Cavani's too old." It's like, well, <laughs> uh, so no wonder things are going poorly. I think what's interesting to see, and outside of our game tomorrow uh, Tuesday, is how Rangnick even stays on in the club. The original plan was to have him promoted and then um have yeah. a back office kind of role and he brings someone in but his credibility has really been created at this point now you think to yourself god well this team this team were playing for ollie they cared about him they had bruno fernandez coming out to look to another crowd so don't blame ollie they yeah. don't give a shit about rang <laughs> so, no, there's nothing there's nothing like that is there um nothing. And and it almost feels like I wonder <laughs> I, I I can't help but wonder if that's because Ole was so uh so just like a sponge, like a wet sponge, that they're able to just walk all over him and essentially run the team themselves. Uh kind of like Chelsea post Mourinho back in the day, where the club was essentially ran by Drogba, Lampard, and Terry for the next four seasons, despite whoever they brought in. Mm-hmm. Um and what and Rangnick is, as you say, he's obviously a much more authoritarian uh, manager. I wonder if that's part of the problem there that he's coming in and he is yet another very strong personality that's that's just pissing everybody off. Um, and 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 it seems like player power is probably going to win out here um, because they're just not playing for him, are they? They're not. And, and, and the other thing is, uh, if we get down and dirty into the actual game and, and what we're looking to face, you know, you know Ranyat's sort of famous for that sort of narrow, organized formation. I, I, I want to uh, always, we're looking out for Kukureo and Lamptey, but especially this game, we have the, the chance to really go at them on the wings. Um, and we know that left and right back defensively, it's not exactly Man United's strong suit. <laughs> Um, so it, it will be intriguing. Uh, it, we, we just have to make it. So I'm, I'm not even worried about the midfield or anything like that. It's, it's, and Ronaldo's really not in form. I think a player like Sancho could, could cause us some trouble just with, he has that ability to, if we look at the counter attacking where we're always weak and we were nearly caught out on it today as well. 
that's where it's the that pace with someone like a Sancho is what gives me and Rashford gives me a little bit of pause. But w- this is the first time I think where we can not as biased fans, but as objective as we possibly can be, go into this game with an expectation that less than a point is disappointing against Manchester United at Old Trafford. You've got to think from Potter's perspective too, he's got to be rubbing his hands together, right? As a manager, because like, like Wedgie said there, and and like you said as well, that it's essentially free hits from here on out. Mm. And it's not, it's not the free hits of last season, the season before where it's like, Oh, we're playing Manchester United. We're in the, we're one point above the drop. Like, let's just do our best. This is a free hit of, we're already safe all, but mathematically, obviously we're all, we're, we're already safe. We're, pushing for to go higher than ever before there's no major risk like if we drop points we drop points then that's that's the way it is but we can do things that we maybe wouldn't have done uh that we've seen potter do in the previous seasons where he gets really brings the albion back into their shell over that last month or two of the season to ensure we drag out survival and you see that creativity dip and you see us drag out those and you saw it a couple of years ago and you saw it last year those like one nil wins like one nil one nil one nil in the all of march and then we're safe and then it's like done you don't see any of that and this is a chance for potter to go against another great mind of the game um he's not so great currently but no doubt i i bet potter is rubbing his hands together at the idea of being able to go there with no shackles on really yeah i uh, Rangnick's a great mind with uh, amnesia at the moment. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, and uh, the more sides that you face where you're going against a team that is struggling, the better. And, and it just might be that our season lines up a little bit fixture-wise where we can take advantage of some of that. Like, yeah. I want to play Man U right now. Right now is when I want to play Man U. Um I, I mean, any time, any time between now and the end of the season, really, because they're not going to get rid of Ralph. So, like, this last part of the season is going to be a real shitty time for them, and we've got the pleasure of having them twice. So, like you say, like, you're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. We shouldn't have them twice, but we do. Uh, and and, and the, the same goes for playing a you know, team like I want to play Burnley right now. I don't want to play them in their last 10 games where they're, they've got the, the bit between their teeth and they're desperate for survival. I want to play them right now and they're – still trying to get to that place um it's going to be interesting uh, the, the the games outside of the man U one that we touched on we've obviously we've got burnley villa and newcastle and for me the the villa game is the most important of that bunch and it's obvious right that villa are currently our closest rivals and if you really want to put a statement on your season you beat the sides around you. Uh, you have to do that. It's okay if you lose to your Man Cities and your Chelsea's. It's, you know, Burnley and Newcastle aren't playing the same league as us at the moment. You know, yeah. if you have to get the wins against the Palaces, the Villas, the Southamptons and the Wolves, those kind of sides. And that's when you can start saying, we're a top 10 football team. That's what, that's what we're going to, this is our statement piece. Well said. Uh, Villa, especially right with the Basuma stuff, um, they are they are basically one of our main rivals at this point in terms of the Premier League table. Monetarily, they, we can't even begin to compete with, with the good sort of money they're throwing around, uh, which would make it an even bigger statement, right? 
you're you're going to be going that if we can take a win off of Villa in a couple of weeks, Basuma will take that move if he wants to anyway because of the money. But you've got to sit there and think we're we're a team on you know an eighth of the budget Villa are on probably uh, with the sort of money they're throwing around and and we're 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 still putting out results against those teams. So it's something for, yes. for every fan of the club. Despite, you know, because we keep seeing these things continue to happen, your Aston Villas that are just cranking out money for fun, your Evertons that have bajillions of pounds, no matter how shit they seem to be spending them, they have a lot of money. You're now Newcastle, richest club in the world. We're still able to compete with those teams if we do the right thing. And we're not going to become... I've seen a lot of people in the press saying that it's almost a two, two-piece Premier League, the way it's shaping up. And that's clearly not true because we've got West Ham in fourth and we've got names that are, that are challenging there and, and we'll continue to challenge there as long as they're well-run clubs. Yeah. Uh, speaking of well-run, I, I want to bounce off of that point you made with the, the, there's two news articles that came out this week that are relevant to that. And we talked a little, we've touched on the Basuma a bit. Maybe we can go a little bit deeper into that just because, I'll say it before and I said it again. Right. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Let's say that right. Basuma should be setting his sights on better than Villa. Yeah. That, that, it's if he takes that move, it's just such a sideways step for a bit more money. Um, and I think if we can hope to get performances out of him towards the latter part of this season, which I think we're all resigned to the fact that we're losing Basuma. Yeah. Um, I'd love it if we didn't. But it's more about can he put himself in the shop window for a top six team? Uh, that's what uh, that's what he should be aiming for. And and if he can drag us upwards during that process, that's what I want to see for the rest of the season. Don't move to Villa. Go move, go move to a top six team um, and get some real money. But more importantly, forge yourself something that's a little bit more special than playing at Villa yeah no offense <laughs> no I, I think that's the thing isn't it I, th- I mean I think both of us would argue that he's already put himself in the shop window enough for those top yeah. sides yeah um uh, maybe maybe we need Tuesday for Ralph to open his eyes and realize huh we'd be a lot better with him in the park instead of Scott McFucking Topping it <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe that's what's needed I don't know um but it, it's happened before and it could happen again. If, if there's ever a game where I think there could be a, a manager watching that ends up realising that this is a player we need, um, in the same way that, that Leicester did it to us with Ujoa way back in the day when we beat mm, 4-1 yeah. that day. Yeah. Uh, and then they promptly went and signed Ujoa solely on how well he played against them. Um, this is it, right? Like, Basuma looks like he's come back in unbelievable form. Uh Boyd from his his final kind of reignition of love for Mali, given that it's been absolute drama for three years with the beef they've had. Um, yeah. It sounds it just looks like he's absolutely buzzing to be here. Um, and I, yeah, like you say, I can't believe that we're hearing teams like Villa and Newcastle are the ones that are going to be in a bidding war for him in the summer. Um, it, it no, he's, make sense he's to me. He he needs to be his agent needs to elevate the conversations he's having. Um, 
that that's that person whoever i don't know who his agent is but they need to they need to earn their money um and well hopefully look out for him of course newcastle are going to pay the money but come on um the other thing is is the the ashworth interview came out this week yeah i know it's sort of old news the ashworth move but what do we think about that? Because I've got mixed feelings. Part of me is it's a shame that Ash, Ashworth is gone. Um, we, we know that. And, and I think we all are very appreciative of the setup that he's put together here. Um, I'm more of the, of the mindset that he's created the foundations and we now have the people in place that can, can act on that as we move ahead. So I'm not all doom and gloom about his departure. I'm also not, I don't get the people on, and I know there's a bunch of idiots on Twitter. And if you posted this on Twitter and you're listening, I'm sorry, I've called you an idiot. Um, but no, calling not. him, a, that's how I'm not really <laughs> calling him a snake and all this kind of like, come on, like if in your job, like no, no one really likes their day job, right? But um, maybe if you're Ashworth, you actually do. But you're offered the opportunity to think about the project that you get to join. So he's probably had his pay tripled. Maybe, maybe more. Probably more, honestly. Um, and he's been told you can spearhead what is essentially the most exciting footballing project that has, that has been put into existence really since Man City PSG. Um, and you get to take a loved, beloved club with committed fan base and we're going to give you unlimited funds you get to choose how that works. Nobody says no to that. I mean, it's basically, it's basically is your own football manager. (laughs) Like literally, I know we joke about that with like the, the the youth we're signing and like it's grandpa's football manager save. Like it really is. Like you've, you've, you've got like an unlimited money cheat. You've got an in-game edit activated and you've just added loads of zeros on the end of the budget. And you've just, self-inserted yourself in that job and now you can do whatever you want uh, along with the real life consequences of becoming really rich in real life too <laughs> like, yeah why would uh, and i'm sure that? he's not I'm, I'm sure he's not you know scrounging at this point you know right. and, and and he he came out he was perfectly happy at brian I, I, what was the phrase he used it was it was it was it was a pull not a push um, the, the, the lure of the opportunity, it wasn't that it was disgruntled or upset. And I think you could see in Tony Bloom's statement that came out, he was pretty pissed off. He was disappointed that he left. I, I half wonder whether they had a discussion. I, I don't know. We speculated about this idea of changing the guard and we're coming in and being your sort of right-hand man and all this. And maybe that was a bit of a smoke screen for actually where's the replacement and whatnot. Um, but if they didn't have a transition plan, it was more... He, he went to Tony and said, I'm going to decide after the January transfer window and I'll let you know. And maybe they had a good relationship in the January transfer window and, and it took Tony by surprise. But his statement is that he came out, his press release was a little bit, the language to use was a little bit abrasive. Didn't he say like, we're, we're devastated? I can't remember the phrasing that he used. Um, I'll have to bring it up. Um, yeah, uh, I'm trying uh, to find it too. Yeah, because I'm, I'm. Here we go. Extremely disappointed. You, you, you don't say that phrase if it was fully mutual. Okay, so, agreed. 
<laughs> something. So I'm wondering whether he potentially was staying and then decided no, and Newcastle up there. We probably won't find out about this ever, or maybe further down the line. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting. This will be a one of those like Dark Side of the Ring episodes in 40 <laughs> years of like the Chris Benoit murders, but like the, the <laughs> Dan Ashworth exit. Um, yeah, there'll be uh, some kind of unfettered, uncut thing of Tony when he's really old, just like oh, uh, Corleone from, from, <laughs> from The Godfather, just like absolutely fuming. <laughs> almost, uh, yeah, because uh, extremely disappointed is strong words from, from a man that doesn't normally talk in quite that yeah. language necessarily in, 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 a, in a corporate, what is, what is a corporate press release. Um, so I think he's missed. In some ways, you have to take it as a... a, a there's, there'll be some commission there. I know there's some arguments, news is coming out about arguments about how much gardening leave he needs to take and whether there's even like lawsuits involved. So clearly there wasn't a full amicable exit, amicable exit. Yeah. But um, I, I'm, I'm flattered in some ways that aside, this sounds too positive for Newcastle, but aside like Newcastle in the sense that they, they could probably bring in 90% of who they want to at this point with the checkbook. Um, they looked at this project, I'm calling it a project, and said, we want him for, for ours. Like, that's, we want the guy that, that did the Brighton thing. Yeah. We should be happy about that. We should be proud about that. That's how we're being envisioned. And and I think it's important to note as well, because there are a lot of people panicking about it, like you said, but like Graham Potter found, uh, not Graham, uh, Tony Bloom found him to exercise his vision. Mm. Not Ashworth's vision. Like, Bloom knows what he wants. He's been starting this since all the way back in the Gus Poyet days when him and Gus came out and said that they were trying to create something at Langsing that would possibly be five to ten years in the making but would yeah. make them a self-sustaining club. He's wanted that since since him and Poyet worked together on it. This yeah. has been something that he has been very, very honest about. He's known what this vision looks like. And the Premier League has been able to enhance it, obviously, because that was obviously the goal to get in and stay in and be able to grow that. But, you know, like Brentford, that that vision, that goal, that I, that philosophy that's been there, that's still there and has been from the beginning with Tony. It doesn't die with Ashworth because the, the brains behind the whole thing is it, he simply executed the vision. He was the man with the tools to execute that Tony isn't. And and here's where I think foundation, and that's where your statement your, your statement can be completely cemented in my mind. And for anyone that still doesn't buy into this and is still worried, look at USG, look look over at Belgium, and look at what they've done under Tony Bloom's ownership. Get promoted, top of the league. Uh, Dan Ashworth wasn't running things at USG. Yep. Yeah. Well said. Um, I think that's everything. Uh, so I think we're good to go. Uh, we'll be back midweek. Are we good to record midweek? You reckon? Hey, if we um, if we smash Man United uh, on on Tuesday night, it'd be rude not to talk after that. But let's see how it plays out. Yeah, you're right. Um, final piece of advice to the listeners out there: uh, don't abuse cats uh, because that's a real dickhead thing to do. Um, yeah. And that's really all that needs to be said. Uh, quite astounding that 
that that came out over this week. Um, and then they started him two hours later. And and they're they're now saying that they're making these donations to the RSPCA and all that sort of stuff. And the RSPCA are coming out and going, well, we ain't got nothing. It's it's true. It is a proper page from the how the US politicians handle scandal book uh, of just what not to do. Um, it just it just seems that the West Ham owners have took a look through Trump's latest autobiography and th- took like took notes um, of how to treble down on terrible decisions. Well, what I did like was a lot of the West Ham fans were booing him. Yeah. Um, there's there's a you do not uh, do bad stuff to dogs or cats to. Uh, an American or British or many other audiences, you, you you do not do that because if you want the public to turn on you, that's the first thing you do. Um, and I'm glad all of his sponsors have dropped him. I think it's shameful how West Ham have dealt with it. Um, but you know, screw him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's baffling. Uh, and they've said he's available tomorrow too. So f me, I guess. Um, yeah, that's everything. Uh, we'll be back possibly midweek depending on the on the score uh and and availability and all that good stuff uh congratulations to chelsea club world cup champions massive trophy massive win <laughs> um that had to take palmeras to the 117th minute to win a penalty um and that's everything from me <laughs> yeah thanks for listening everyone thanks for uh, uh, thanks for wedgie for joining as well that was nice yeah uh, the, the new craig we'll get him craig. craig's <laughs> back next time or the time after yeah. see you guys